Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me tonight is Joe, and hopefully uh, if he gets back in time from his Labor Day festivities, hopefully Jason will be joining us later. Joe, how are you doing today, bud? I'm hanging in there, man. I'm uh, mixed mixed emotions. Uh, rough week for the Cubs. Uh, uh, Indiana got a win in their Friday night uh, opener in the college football season this weekend, and Brian Kelly lost. So, uh, you know... <laughs> Outside of Notre Dame losing and the Cubs not having a good week. It, eh. Now, yeah. now Joe, did you say Indiana or Indinia? I, I I'm not quite sure which it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, yeah, I, I you know they're it, they're a number one party school for a reason. They're not a number one English school. <laughs> Wait a second. When did they pass Penn State? <laughs> Long time ago, buddy. Long time that, ago. Must have been long after I left because boy, that wasn't the case when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good week for us, Atlanta. Hell of a week for them. Combined with a little bit of a Mets meltdown, which I'm never going to be upset about. Penn State somehow managed to beat Purdue in what once again cemented my opinion that Big Ten football should never be played on a Thursday night. And thank God that game wasn't in Happy Valley because I, I'm sure we would still have traffic issues today from a Thursday night football game last week because that's just absolutely terrible. Horrible decision by the Big Ten. Anyway, so Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I've got a two for tonight. Um, I've got a, a coat from Kona Brewing. I've got Longboard. It's an island lager. Pretty tasty. Um, somewhere between Yingling and a Smithics kind of taste. So okay, I'm nice. the two of those. And then I've also got um, Cayman Jack Margarita because it's summer. Why not? Very tasty. <laughs> um, very enjoyable. And I've got to hold two drinks because that way I don't throw something at the television. Um, Very true. Very true. Based based on some managerial decisions this weekend, which we'll get into. (laughs) No, David Ross made questionable decisions again. That never happens on a weekly basis for the Cubs. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, And and as, as listeners of this program will note, I was actually growing soft on David Ross lately. So Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a little frustrated. Well, you see, that was your biggest mistake, Joe. You went soft on him and he took advantage of it. <laughs> so I've got three that I, I will be uh, sampling on throughout the night. I'm going to open up again. We're pushing for October. So we're going to open up with the Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. And uh, because we like playing baseball in October, I will then go to Samuel Adams Jacko Pumpkin Ale because uh, also, that's a shout out to one of my dad's buddies, the great Dr. Chris Campbell, who hates pumpkin beers and uh, does a series of YouTube videos every fall about why he hates them so much. And it's absolutely hilarious. Check it out. It's phenomenal. And then after that, I'm going to go with the Samuel Adams Fest beer. It's a nice lager, nice way to kind of mellow out and end the night off for me then. All right, Joe. So let's roll into it tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with the home run chase. Um I'm going to quick mention Albert Pujols. You're going to touch on all of that later, but he did get to 695. Um, I'm not going to take your thunder with that because I know you've got a lot to say about that particular one. Um, then uh, Aaron Judge, he's been on fire, man. Three straight games of the home run and home runs in five out of his past seven. He's up to 54, and he did that earlier today. And That was a horrible pitch. Uh, Trevor McGill hung a slider middle-middle. 88 miles an hour, middle, middle to Aaron Judge, hanging slider. Uh, No surprise that that thing got smashed into the second deck of left field at Yankee Stadium. Um, I 
I, I was watching that replay and I was like, you you can't put that to a pitcher. A pitcher would have killed that pitch. <laughs> so um, Aaron Judge is now tied A-Rod's single season home run record for the most home runs hit by a right-handed hitter in a Yankee uniform. So I can't wait to see that record get broken. Knock one more thing off, uh, off uh, A-Rod's uh, sheet, shall we say. He's now on pace... <laughs> He's now on base to hit 65 homers, which is four more than Roger Maris's AL record that was set all the way back in 1961. What is it with the AL and not having home run hitters? That's it's crazy. I feel like the uh, the NL just for you know the last two to three decades, it feels like every couple years yet another huge home run race, and the AL's like, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. And uh, Maris's 54th home run came in the Yankees' 139th game of the season, Judge in the 135th, so he's a little bit ahead of Maris's pace now. And uh, Judge's previous career high, Joe, is 53 home runs. How many do you think he's going to end up with? I mean, the dude's just killing it. Um, well, I mean, something in New York has to hit right now. <laughs> <laughs> God, ain't so, that the truth? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. the guy has been – Lights out all season, so and who knows? Barring something, you know, monumentally awful, he'll, he'll he'll get there. He'll get, you know, somewhere around sixty four, sixty five, maybe. I'm thinking probably. I feel like sixty five or sixty six. I, I don't know why those are the two numbers sticking in my head the most right now, but that's kind of where I feel like it's going to end up, and I. Hey, if he can get there, that would be absolutely phenomenal. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him hit 20 in a month and, and shatter bonds and get him off the freaking books, too. I would be 100% so, okay with that as well. I, <laughs> that, that that would be delightful. I mean, and Sammy did 20 in, in June of that year. Obviously, he had help. but <laughs> Yeah. So. A little bit of a plunger push to help get him through that month. But. It could be done, maybe. We'll see. Well, you know, maybe he could steal uh, Sammy's corked bat. That might help. <laughs> you know, that's still one of the funniest replays I think I've ever seen. That bat shattered in court, just blasting across the infield like it was shot out of a freaking shotgun, man. That was, and like there was, it was no doubt what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only argument I think Sammy tried to say was it was a BP bat, which they are allowed in batting practice. So no big deal. You know, he just grabbed the wrong one. Yeah, okay. If you say so. That uh, just feels like an excuse. And um, Joe, I'm adding one more home run tracker tonight for Courtney Hawkins. So Courtney Hawkins plays in the Atlantic League, our local minor league. And uh, he is now at 44 home runs a season for the Lexington Legends. Great name for a ballpark, holy, or for a ball team. Holy crap. So he was drafted in the first round by the White Sox back in 2012, 13th overall. Never made to the majors with either the White Sox or the Reds. Um, he also played three different seasons with the Sugarland Skeeters, also formerly of the ALPB. Um, the Atlantic League record is 48, which was hit by Ozzy Canseco of Newark back in 2000. So he only needs four to tie that. I, Based on the way he's hitting, I think he's going to smash, especially if he gets to play a couple more games in Lancaster, because let's face it, it is easy for those guys to hit home runs in Lancaster. I mean, crazy fact. 
The uh, Barnstormers have had the leader or co-leader in home runs nine times in their history, and they haven't even been in the league all that long. So, you know, there's definitely a home field push which uh, helps out with that. So we'll uh, keep an eye on Courtney Hawkins as he goes, and uh, hopefully we'll see him break the Atlantic League single-season record. All right, Joe. Um, you know, since you kind of take all things Chicago, I'm going to let you uh, talk about Dylan Cease. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the White Sox, as we've as we've documented fairly well here, um, have had obviously not the year that they've expected to have um, this year, and they're in a bit of a run. Last week, this was I think their um, fourth win in a row before yesterday when they lost. Um, but you know, the fourth in a row after La Russa went down, uh, Dylan Cease, AL Cy Young Award winner, hopefully. <laughs> Um, especially now that with Verlander being hurt, you're like, okay, somebody's got to, you know, this is the time to separate yourself. And Dylan Cease did some of that this weekend. Um, two outs in the ninth inning, two strikes away from a, from a no hitter. Um, and Luis Arias, the, one of the hottest hitters in the league right now, um, took a one, one sinker into to right field, right center field and and that took away the the no hitter um got the next out and that was it um so that you know did get the complete game shut out um and i do think it was a maddox if i'm not mistaken or it was close to it close 103 if you would have gotten if you would have gotten a rate a raise out it would have been a maddox right um you know so it just it, that that pitch to to him, just got a little too much of the plate. Something interesting about the White Sox, though, is this would have been – he would have been the 21st pitcher in franchise history to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game. Wow, that, what is it with the White Sox for that? That's insane. Well, I guess when you've been around that long, it's kind of – Well, yeah, that's as long as they have. Um, yeah, but we've been around longer and we don't have that many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so would have been number 21 and and – just missed it by that much. Um, Brutal. The the uh, line drive Arias hit was 100.7 uh, exit velo off the bat. Bat he knew it was falling safely. He said, "I'm on to the next hitter." The teammates were, you know, obviously it's extremely tough. It doesn't get closer than that. Uh, be it just just that one or two strikes away, um, and you know. Um, he didn't record his first strikeout until the fifth inning. Uh, that was Urshela. Um, he only needed 40 pitches to get through the fourth, 50 through five, and 71 to get through six. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so he had a, a heck of a night. He's usually not that efficient. Usually he's strikeouts in innings, but it's, you know, 115 pitches or 120 pitches to get through seven. Um, you know, so – more than, you know, differently, obviously more efficient than, than he could be. And, and obviously the offense helps in this one because they won this game 13 to nothing. So that, that gives you a lot of freedom to just go, look, try and hit it. Yeah. Yeah, nothing says pound the plate quite like a 13-run lead. <laughs> Where it, if you happen to leave one a little too middle-middle, like, you know, what happened to Aaron Judge – it doesn't matter because you because then you're up twelve to one instead, <laughs> right? Man, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting how that all plays out for him. But um, 
Yeah. You know, they've picked up four in the standings during the winning streak, so they're only two and a half back now as of tonight um, in that division. Um, what's or, or two games, I should say, not two and a half. Um, an interesting note with the White Sox, too, is that if the Red Sox were in the AL Central, they'd be two and a half games out. That's how Central crazy that the AL East is, and then how crazy the AL Central is from yeah. a weakness standpoint. Yeah, like extreme strength to extreme weakness. It, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm just curious here. I, let me pull the standings up here because I'm sure they're not the only team that would be doing so much better in the AL Central right now. I mean, Baltimore would be leading the division in the yeah. AL Central. And Seattle would be leading the division in the AL Central. The Phillies would be leading the division in the AL Central, as would the Brewers and the Padres. And the Giants would be like four games out. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The, the final line for Cease in this one, obviously got the win. Obviously complete game shutout and the one hit we mentioned. Um, two walks, seven strikeouts. That's phenomenal. Um, the whip of, of 33 and the batting average is 037. <sighs> Damn. Like so the guy funny. has been absolutely dominant other than Verlander. Um, you know, and, and he, he even if he doesn't get the, the Cy Young, he could get the ERA title. I mean, he's he's been fantastic. So- it's a shame that so much of his – success this year has been wasted by the way the White Sox started the year. So my thought, Joe, um, my, my thought with the Cy Young, now that Verlander is hurt, I wonder if it's going to become Cease, Cease's race to lose. I know he doesn't have the wins, but we know wins aren't everything. Um, and they're really close to, I know, I know the ERA Verlander's got it by, I think like, three-tenths of a point right now, which that's, this point in the year, that's pretty significant to have one guy at 1.8, one guy at 2.1, but still. Um, but I know strikeout ceases been absolutely dominating, although Garrett Cole took the uh, lead in the AL right now. So um, we'll see. You know, I'm really curious to see how this is going to end up. I kind of think it should be Dylan Cease because, let's face it, without Dylan Cease, the White Sox are sunk. And it's not even close. Yeah, there the the ERA is one eighty four, and then two one three is Cease's ERA there, which isn't too astronomically bad. No, um, Verlander has sixteen wins, and Cease has thirteen. Um, again, with a more productive offense and not telling people to take it easy, um, you know, uh, that that definitely changes the the calculus a bit there, I think. Yeah. I, I still, you're going to see guys not hustling to first because they're told to take it easy to No, Tony, just shut the hell up, please. <laughs> yeah. Other thing too. Um, Cease has 27 starts this year already. Um, mm-hmm. Verlander is, I think maybe just a few back from that. Um and now with being hurt, he's going to fall further back. Yeah, that that might play into the uh, eyes of the voters as well. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's got 24, so it's only three behind, but by the time he comes back, he'll be four or five behind. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, that if might Cease be enough. To do, if, if Cease continues to do what he's been doing, then forget it, man. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch, and you know you got to feel for Cease because that was an absolutely no doubt single. That you know this is not one of those cheap little bloopers that sneak through or dropping down a bunt in the eighth inning because you just you know this was none of that. This was a legitimate single. It was a great swing on a on a pitch that just wasn't that great, and you know, that's what happens sometimes. That's baseball. But, you know, based on what we've seen this year from Cease, I'm sure we'll see him pushing for another no-hitter bit at some point. The dude's too good not to. Yeah, he's 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 something else. It's it's really fun to watch. Not only is he pitching well, but between him and Spencer Strider, those two are probably the best stashes in all of baseball right now. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's a question about that. <laughs> Anybody else who thought they were in the running just took a look at those two and said, nope, I'm going to save it for next year. I mean, let's face it, the two of them would fit perfectly in like a 1970s, 1980s Oakland Athletics team. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, man, boy, those teams had some nice stashes, too. <laughs> for sure. All right, so moving on, um, we're going to beat up a little bit on the teams in New York next because that's just fun to do. So first we're going to talk about the Yankees and this incredible second half slump they've been on because I, I don't think I've ever seen a team go from best in the league to one of the worst teams in the league as quickly as the Yankees have. Um, they just lost their biggest blowout game of the year to the Rays 9-0, which left Aaron Boone pissed off in his post-game press conference, which it should. Um, he said, quote, that's an embarrassing loss, hopefully one of those rock-bottom situations where you should be pissed off and embarrassed. We've set a better standard around here. we just got to be better, period. Well said. Because, uh, let's face it, if George was still running the team, he would have been fired after that 9-0 loss. It's their largest loss since uh, October 2nd last year, which was also against Tampa Bay, and it was a 12-2 loss because if the Yankees get blown out, it's Tampa Bay that does it. Uh, for some reason, I, I can't remember what the exact number is, Joe, but I read somewhere that like four or five of their last um, nine-plus run blowouts have been at the hands of the Rays or something crazy like that. And this past series, the Rays, they dropped two or three. They did manage to scramble and uh, get Sunday's win, so they didn't get swept. The AL East lead was 15 and a half games on July 8th, and it's now five and a half games today when I was writing up notes and checking the uh, current standings. That was after the Yankees played and won today. The last time the Yankees lead was at five games or less was June 1st, so it's been a while. Since the All-Star break, they've gone 16 and 26. Ouch. Before today's 5-2 victory over the Twins, they had scored three runs or fewer twice in the past 10 games. I'm sorry. They had scored more than three runs twice in the past 10 games. I wrote that out badly. And, Joe, they weren't exactly playing the best teams in the league. They were playing the Athletics, the Angels, and the Rays. Now, the Rays are good. No, no questions. The Athletics and the Angels, not so much. Over that stretch, they were batting 105 with runners in scoring position because, as we've hammered out so many times in the show, if you can't drive runners in when they're in scoring position, bad things are going to happen, and the Yankees are proving that to a T. They have been shut out as a team 12 times this season, which isn't a bad number, really. 
you know, you're going to have off nights. That's it's 162 game season. Here's the thing, Joe, six of those shutouts have occurred since the beginning of August. And since August 2nd, their record is 11 and 20. That's a 354 for uh, the mathematicians at home trying to figure that out in their head. What is going on with the freaking Yankees? They have no offense anymore. And Ben Attendee is now out. He needs uh, surgery on his wrist. I think it was an ulnar flexor bone or something like that, which supposedly it had removed, but apparently it wasn't all removed and it's now broken and needs to be uh, taken care of again. So what the hell, man? (laughs) Well, you mentioned those shutouts since August 1st. Um, You know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but what happened on uh, August 1st or August 2nd? Joey Gallo was traded. <laughs> so um, I, maybe you could trace some of this August crap back to Joey Gallo being traded. Maybe he was more valuable than I thought. Maybe he was the Jason Hayward of the Yankee clubhouse. Oh, good God. Let, let's hope not. Uh, for the record with the Dodgers right now, Gallo has appeared in 22 games and he is slashing uh, 193, 313, 421. He has hit three home runs, two doubles, and a triple, nine RBIs. Uh, and in 22 games, he has struck out 26 times and walked only eight times. So really uh, not a whole hell of a lot of difference between his time in New York and his time in Los Angeles at this point. <laughs> no, s- slightly better. I mean, he, he's getting on base at least a Barely. little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is this is insane. If it weren't for Aaron Judge, and I think, honestly, Joe, the fact that Aaron Judge is single-handedly basically keeping them in this race and not letting the team collapse into – uh, it honestly, it looks like they're falling into a black hole and just being smushed to, you know, oblivion. I I think without Aaron Judge, this Yankees team already lost first place. Without and and I, honestly, Aaron Judge should be MVP at this point. You know, most valuable player to their team. There is no player in the American League right now more valuable to their team than Aaron Judge. Absolutely. And I, we talked about the Yankees last year a bit and they, you know, scuttled into the playoffs and that saved Aaron Boone's job for at least another year or two. And you have to wonder if, you know, that was the right call or not. Um, you know, it's, there's only so much talent you can do. And when your talent stops hitting and your talent stops you know, pitching as well as they had been, you know, maybe every game's been starting 15 minutes late. Maybe that's what's going on with the pitchers. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, you have to wonder if if keeping Aaron Boone was the right call here last year when they made that decision and, you know, squeaking into the playoffs and then leading this division for as long as they have. They're, they're the Mets of last year. They're the Mets of 2007, it feels like, where it's just – the bottom is falling out. Yeah. Um, you know, and hey, if 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 the Orioles, you know, put enough together here the next few weeks, who knows, man? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I think 10 games at this point in the year is a little hard to overcome, especially with Tampa Bay and Toronto in front of them. But it's another good bit of pressure that'll get dumped on the Yankees. 
because if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the Yankees' last series of the year is against Baltimore at home in New York. So that's going to have, uh, you know, wider consequences than normal. But, Joe, let me uh, l- listen to these scores over the – just let's look at the last week. Today they beat the Twins 5-2. Yesterday they were at the Rays and won 2-1. Lost Saturday 1-2. Lost Friday 0-9. And then they had an off day. And then with the Angels, they lost 2-3, 1-7-4, lost 3-4. And then going back one more series with the Athletics, which they split, they won 13-4, won 3-2, lost 2-3, lost 1-4. Uh, this is a team that it's either all or nothing right now with their offense. I I don't, you know, maybe it's just me and reading numbers here, but that's not a lot of high scoring games in there. They had a couple, they had a couple massive outputs and then a whole bunch of really, really low scoring games. That's going to, you know, that's a lot of stress in your pitching staff. Um, you know, that's a big freaking problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it's simply not going to get it done. And I, you know, offense only gets you so far, as you always say, Andrew. You can never have enough pitching, and right now they don't have hardly any good pitching really happening for them consistently, at least, last oh. few weeks. And when you're getting shut out because you can't drive runners home that are in scoring position. I mean, it, let's looking throughout August, they had the Mariners twice. At home they lost 2-3, or three. and in Seattle they lost 2-3. or three. They went to St. Louis and, draw, and actually got swept. Excuse me, that was a sweep. Um, they lost two or three to Boston, and that was the series that Boston finally won against another team in their division, which is insane. Um, they lost two or three to Tampa earlier in August at home. They got they lost three or four to the Blue Jays at home, and now they did take the mini series back from the Mets that they lost on the other side of New York back in July. But this is just a team that, it, and that's the thing, they're playing the good teams now, and they're not getting it done. And even against the bad teams, they didn't get it done either. So, you know, I I think Yankees fans at this point, they should absolutely be incredibly nervous about where this team is going. Because if things keep going like this, they're going to make the playoffs. I think they've got enough of a cushion built up that even if somehow they lose the division, they should still be able to cling to one of the wild card spots. Right now, this is not a team that I expect to get out of the first round. Yeah, we'll have to see what they do if they can right the ship here in the next few weeks. If they run into a, a team that they, they just beat the living crap out of and and get motivated and energized and turn things around, but if they don't, you know this this is very easily one of those teams that you know makes a wild card and and doesn't make it to the the next round when a month ago they were. You know, running away with the division the way we thought the AL Central would be run away with. Yeah. So for the rest of the rest of the year, Joe, they've got this is a four gamer in New York against the Twins, and then Tampa comes in for three more, and then that'll be it for Tampa this year, which I'm sure the Yankees will be happy about that. They've got next week. They've got a two game mini series in Boston, and then they go on the road for three games in Milwaukee. Come home for a two game mini series with the Pirates. Four more at home with Boston to end the Boston's Boston for the year. Go on the road for three at the Blue Jays, 
and then come home for three or four with the Orioles, three with the Orioles. And then they have to go back on the road one more time to Texas to face the Rangers with a doubleheader in there as well. So it's, that's a lot of good teams in there sandwiched around a couple bad teams. So the Yankees, if you're the Yankees, you have to sweep every bad team on that schedule that's left, and you have to take at least one or two from each of those other series. Yeah, to give yourself just enough, I think. And you know, particularly the ones in the division for sure. Yeah, I if you can't if you can't win those division series, you're in trouble. I mean, that's you know that's how it always that's how it always is in baseball. Now, they're still playing pretty well against teams over 500 for the year. Uh, 47-30, and 30, that's a 553 winning percentage. But if things keep going the way it is, that's going to head, head screaming back down towards 500 pretty damn quick. So, yeah, so we're going to have to, see, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, Johnny, uh, the barber who cuts my hair over at Whiskey and Blade, Huge Yankees fan. He and Chad were actually at, uh, they were at one of the Yankees Red Sox game where uh, Soleil got hurt yet again. I know, shocker, right? At this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Johnny's been on cloud nine, but I'm going to guess uh, next time I go in the shop, Johnny ain't going to be quite on cloud nine the way his Yankees have been playing lately. So, you know, we'll have to see how that goes moving forward. And then let's head to the other side of the Big Apple um, because you know me. If I get a chance to dig on the damn Mets, I'm going to dig on the damn Mets, and that's all there is to it. Honestly, I kind of wish Logan could have joined us for this section. <laughs> Sorry, Logan. So the Mets hosted the Dodgers last week, took two out of three from the best team in baseball, and then inexplicably dropped two out of three from the most helpless team in baseball, the Nationals, including consecutive 7-1 to one losses on Saturday and Sunday night. And Saturday night, I think the Nationals put five of those seven runs up in the ninth inning if I remember correctly. This is the first series loss to the Nationals since April of 2019. Yeah, that's how long the Nationals have been bad, folks. 2019. Now, Scherzer was pulled early on his start Saturday precautionarily because he had left side fatigue, um, and they had already planned on pushing his next start back a day for extra rest. Um, We're going to know more when he throws his midweek bullpen session sometime in Pittsburgh this week, probably uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. We'll know more about the status of his health. Um, and then Carlos Carrasco, he was going to be in a short leash Sunday coming back from that oblique strain, but he did get through a 54-pitch outing without any lingering health concerns, which is good, although he gave up four unearned runs and he was uh, uh, a little bit wild. He, he was You could tell he's been off for a few weeks, needs to knock the rust loose. His control was not nearly as good as it's been most of the year. Over the past 12 games now, the Mets are only averaging three runs per game, which is down from their season average of 4.6. And a big reason why, their runners in scoring position is down to 173, 13 for 75. Funny how we keep coming back to that RISP number, isn't it? It really does tell the tale better than almost anything how you're doing. <laughs> Pretty much. That that walks and errors are, are your three biggest indicators as to how a game's going to go, I think. Yeah. And speaking of errors, that sounds like the Phillies. Good God. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. But I, I've been watching, it. you know, every Twitter account puts up, you know, bloopers from the past week. And I'm seeing more and more Phillies outfielding bloopers than I have all season. It's uh, not so good over there right now. <laughs> 
But with the Mets, you know, everybody's allowed to have a bad series. It's going to happen. This is not the time of year to be, to be uh, as Jason put it so eloquently in our group chat, to be doing what the damn Phillies do every year and play down to your competition and play up to the good competition. Uh, one seven to one blowout loss. Okay, shit happens. Two seven to one blowout losses in a row. What is going on up there? And I'm not gonna lie. If they keep blowing seven to one games of the Nationals the rest of the year, I'm not gonna be upset because it means the division's ours for the taking. But I don't think that one series is going to determine that. Although it's uh, run the margin dangerously thin for the Mets going into games today, it's down to one game. Closest it's been since, uh, I want to say like mid-April, mid-May, something like that. It hasn't been that close for a long time. But here's the thing, and we've been talking about this for the last two months, especially me and Jason. You have to win the series against the bad teams, and you don't need to sweep but you need to take two or three, three or four. Yeah. You need to win the series. And uh, I'm not going to lie. The best part about all this, though, has been watching uh, Mets Twitter meltdown because those fans have been so, you know, over the last how many years, they have been so beaten down and bruised by their beloved team falling apart year after year after year, which I, you know, thoroughly enjoy I'm not going to read all of them, but this is the favorite one I saw. Look on the bright side. Even if the Mets do blow the division, at least they didn't waste a season with a ton of pending free agents and aging players while the Braves locked up a young core that will make them the best in the division for years to come. I love that. <laughs> yeah, the, the LFGM group on, on Facebook, I, I follow them for, pretty closely and so I you know can see what the, the chatter is in, in the Big Apple there. and that. They're up and down within a game. It's it's insane. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. It's, it's you know, we've got a bunch of uh, armchair managers and armchair front office folks on there, which is always fun to, to listen to. Some of their suggestions aren't bad, but some of them I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> you, you, you know, three hours in the actual chair. Just shut up now. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's and it's you know they they go from this can't, team can't do anything to this team is great. They just you know had a had a rough game or whatever. It's yeah they they are up and down with the innings and so, sometimes with the innings and and mostly with the with the games and stuff. It's you know season's over or you know this is the beginning of the end or today I saw it's two thousand seven again and it's like holy cow. <laughs> 2007 again. Yeah. To refresh refresh 2007, that's when they were up seven and a half at the beginning of September and lost the division. So I remember. I do remember. That was a, that was one of the more spectacular Mets collapses I think we've ever seen. To be honest, it was one of the more spectacular collapses we've seen, period. I mean, that's up there with the uh, Red Sox collapse of what, 10 or 12 and a half games, something like that. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Again, though, like I said, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because there's still a lot of baseball to play. 
this season is not close to being over yet. You know, I'm as much as I'd love to say, yeah, it's the beginning of the end. I always hedge my bets because you just never know. Um, Atlanta's on a West Coast trip right now. Uh, this week, two in Oakland for the A's. So um, those are odd start times. I hate looking at West Coast times. Um, and then they head to Seattle for three at the Mariners, and they're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. And then they head to San Fran for three at the Giants. Then they have a day off to come home, and they've got the Phillies for three, the Nationals for three, go to Philly for four, at the Nationals for three. And then they end with a, what's going to be probably a, either a huge series against the Mets or it's just not going to matter because the division's wrapped up with the Mets. And then they head down to Florida to finish off three more with the Marlins. So, I, you know, it, Atlanta's got to take care of business, which I, I think they will. They have shown good propensity for beating up on teams under 500, which is what you need to do. Uh, I'm really curious how the Seattle series is going to go because that's going to be that's going to be huge. I can't remember the last time a Braves Mariners series was as important as this one is, or where both teams are as good as the two teams are right now. It's been a while for Seattle. No for Dave, sure, I know Dave will be happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe. Uh, after all that negativity, let's uh, bring out the good. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, so I mean, the the release of good this week, we're we're talking about um, the Orioles, obviously, quite a bit. Um, the first part of this is is just that they've been able to do what they've been able to do this year. Um, you know, we have our feelings on trading Mancini and trading away their uh, uh, Lopez, um, who was their closer at the time. Although Batista has been really good for them this year. Um, now, as he, as he's grown into that role. Um, you know, the Orioles, we, we've criticized them fairly heavily on this program, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, we'll continue to do so until the Angelos family is gone. Right. But And I think, so, you know, two of the things we didn't expect them to do, obviously, was to be where they are right now. Um, you know, and, and number two was to bring up the talent and see what they have, um, which is not something we expected them to do. But here they are. You know, they brought Adley Rutschman up earlier this year. He's been super productive and and, and is is and then you know so fun to watch him play the game. Um, loves the game and, and and you can tell that um, from watching him play. They made another promotion here this week. Gunnar Henderson made his major league debut um, this past week. Um, and he's their top prospect now that things have been kind of recalculated with Rushman being up. Um, and that was Wednesday um, for him. He, he comes up and um, it, he, his first hit, he goes two for four in his first game, but his first major league hit is a home run against the guardians. And it's, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome to see him be able to, you know, Jump right in right away. We've seen a lot of guys who, uh, you know, are have been making their debuts lately who have been really productive right away. Um, you know, Spencer Strider for you, Michael Harris for you, Christopher Morrell for me. Um, Adley's been for me. <laughs> what's that? Fun Grissom for oh, me. Oh yeah, Grissom. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we've seen a lot of guys come up and not be scared of the moment, um, and it's been fun to watch. Um, we, we talked about a guy from Milwaukee last week um, in this segment, and and 
So, you know, they're, they're bringing up youngsters this year, which we didn't expect them to do. Um, you know, they're doing things right. They're not trading away a lot of that talent. They trade away Mancini, but they haven't traded away some of the talent they've had stored up, which is what you expect the Angelos family to do. Um, because they have how many times now? Yeah. Um, Rutschman came up in May. Kyle Bradish was on the roster at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, the only thing that hurts, uh, you know, Rutschman for rookie of the year is that Rodriguez has been amazing <laughs> for the Mariners. Yeah. Um, and, and he's gotten paid <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, you know, Kyle Stowers, who we talked about last week with that big homer, um, first major league home running off of, uh, Hendricks last week. Um, when I was at the game, that was, that's fun to watch too. They're, they're having guys come up and they're having guys come up and be immediately productive. Um, and it's really just, again, it's fun to, you know, going to Camden a few weeks ago, that town is hungry for winning baseball and they're getting winning baseball. And, and those fans are finally being rewarded for their years and years of devotion to a, a, a team whose ownership has been crap. So um, I, I don't have a dog in the fight, obviously, with my team this year. So go O's. Yeah. And you know what? It You know, for a buddy, Jim, over at Huddle Up, um, I, I love seeing that the Orioles are doing so well. They're the closest thing to a local team that I root for because, you know, I will never root for the Phillies. I didn't even root for the Phillies against the damn Yankees back in whatever world. It was that 09. Oh, whatever year that was. Uh, it's been that long since the Yankees won a World Series. Nobody can remember what year it was anymore. And that's a good thing, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not very nice of me. But you know, I'm not going to root for the Nationals. I, I, I'm okay with the Pirates because their ballpark's beautiful. But eh, I, I could care less about the Pirates. <laughs> so it, it's nice to see the Orioles doing well to give me a local local-ish team that I can root for. And let's face it, a lot of people up here root for Baltimore teams as well. So it's not, you know, it, it's not that out of the ordinary because Baltimore's not really that far away from us. You know, not maybe not always the best city to go visit, but the Inner Harbor is certainly beautiful. And that's a damn nice aquarium to take your kids to. All right, Joe, uh, we're going to hop around a little bit here. Um, let's, uh, let's hit the Phillies real quick. Um, last week for the Phillies, not a great week. And Jason was worried about this being a West coast trip because they never play well in the West coast and because they tend to play down to their opponents. And that certainly happened pretty badly. So in Arizona, nobody brought pitching. Nobody brought any pitching to the Arizona series game one. They lost 13 to seven game two. They lost 12 to three. And then game three, they won 18 to two. Like I said, nobody brought any pitching to this series. And that continued to the first game in San Francisco, which they got swept in. They lost game one 13 to one. And then game two, they lost five to four. And game three was a uh, Dave Robertson blown save, lost five to three, uh, which uh, Jason was just lighting the group chat up with his love for <laughs> Dave Robertson after that one. <laughs> I think, uh, I, as I said, Joe, in the group chat, I'm pretty sure Jason's honeymoon with Dave Robertson's long gone after that one. <laughs> so what were uh, what were Jason's thoughts from this past week? Yeah, um, you know, a, a terrible week after going 5-1 and one the week before. 
and having one of their better weeks this year. Um, they had a chance to really pull away from San Diego because San Diego is, you know, out of sorts a bit with, with some of their injuries and issues and whatnot. Um, and, and especially pull away from Milwaukee. Um, you know, instead they lost five of six. They're a half game behind the Padres in that third spot. Uh, so they're still in the wild card um, segment of this. But it's it's one of those things where you have to beat the teams, as you keep saying, you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And the Giants and the Diamondbacks are the teams you're supposed to beat, um, for sure. Um, you know, so the, unfortunate for the Phils, the Brewers had a bad week, too, um, and, and only gained a game on on Philly um, with, with as bad a week as they had. But, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, you're hoping to avoid the September collapse that the Yankees and the Mets are starting to worry about, these are the games you have to win, bottom line. And, and you can't, you know, um, hopefully they can bounce back. They're at home this week, said Jason said. So um, home, home field always usually does a body good is sometimes able to stop some bleeding um, with, with the losses. So hopefully they can do that and hopefully they can, um, you know, rebound and recovering and get ready for the home stretch here. Yeah, this week, and we'll touch on this more later, but this week they've got three against the Marlins. They will have Alcantara and they've got three with the Nationals. So uh, at least they've got the Nationals this week. Um, it, one thing that the Phillies fans need to keep an eye on and I brought this up last year when we rolled into September, and Jason kind of ho-hummed at it, but it, it absolutely is worth mentioning. How is Aaron Nola going to do? Because Aaron Nola has never been a good September pitcher for his entire major league career. He's been a really good pitcher for most of it, but uh, hit September, and he just seems to run out of gas every single year, and it's uh, it, it's been like that for, like I said, for pretty much his entire career. Um, you know, he's, I'll admit this last month was not so great, but, or I'm sorry, not, not his last month, excuse me. This last start was not so great that he lost the, um, oh, which game was that? That was the, oh, I'm on the Cubs schedule. That doesn't help. That's why my bad. He lost the uh, 12 to three decision with against Zach Galen in uh, Arizona, the one on last Tuesday. But he does start tomorrow night against Lazardo. So that, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see Aaron Nola pitch a little better. I mean, he just he he got wrecked in that game. Four innings, ten hits, eight runs, five strikeouts. Just not not a good game. So that's, you know, for me, Joe, that's the biggest key for the Phillies moving forward. Is how is Aaron Nola going to do in September? Is he finally going to figure out a way? around this or is September still going to be his kryptonite month like it's always been and it's it's crazy I mean his September October ERA where is it I just had it pulled up here I can't find it anyway I had it pulled up uh oh here it is um his whip in September is 1.297 in his career he his uh, his second highest month is uh is april and may or april and june where it's 1.1 and 1.2 i mean he just he does not pitch well in september and i think honestly i think it's a fatigue thing every year but 
why it always seems to run in like this, I don't know. Um, it's not like the Phillies in the last five years have been making deep runs in the playoff to burn him out late. So I, I, I just don't know if there's a mental block, if it's fatigue, who knows what it is. So that's, you know, Aaron Nola, I think is going to be the biggest key for the Phillies moving forward. I'm not so worried about their offense. I'm more worried about what their pitching is going to do, especially after this past week where they gave up so many runs and against bad teams too. Yeah, it's it's it. That's that's the big, like you said, that's the big the big point here is what what's their pitching going to do? And you know their offense has been suspect here and there. They've been very streaky, and if your offense is streaky, your pitching can't be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Joe, why don't you roll into the Cubs so we can talk a little bit about Albert Pujols? Why not? Um, <laughs> so Cubs had a a interesting week this week um they only took one game um and that was in their their series with the jays to start the week uh game one four five loss in 11 game two five three loss uh and game three was a seven five win um the a couple of notes in that series um danny jansen for the jays had a three-run homer and a walk-off single for for the blue jays uh in that game that was the difference maker him, him in particular, um, the Cubs had four hits and five and a third um, after Barrios left the game, and they had ten hits off of him. Um, game two, Vlad Jr. decided to uh, do even more to, to hurt the Cubs and used Javi Baez's bat <laughs> to hit a homer in the seventh inning. So, um, screw you, Javi. Um <laughs> Of, of note in in the series with the Jays here, just to kind of recap, t- kind of tie the, the bow on August for the Cubs, it was a 500 month for them. So they, you know, had some good, had some bad, um, and, and the bullpen was really taxed after um, the trade deadline. And the, the bullpen pitched 120 innings in 30 games in the month of August. So you know, it, it's really. Um, you know, un- unfortunate that they've had to do that and they've been kind of moving a bunch of arms up and down. So it's, it's really been a mess. So to do 500 in August is not bad. Um, you said 120 innings in 30 games. Yeah. That they're, they're pitching at least four innings a game. Ouch. That's not good. Yeah. Um, you know, starters have been down to kind of, you know, expand on that just a sec. Um, you know, Keegan's been down and not pitching the last few weeks. Um, Justin Steele's missed a few starts here and there and hasn't gone long. So they've had more bullpen games, I think, with Kyle being hurt, with Miley being hurt. It's It's been a mess. The most consistent pitching they've had the last few weeks is Drew Smiley up until this week and Marcus Stroman. So, um, That's nuts. It, yeah, the, the Jays series was rough. Uh, then we get to this Cardinal series. Um they lose on Friday eight to nothing. They lose on Saturday four to eight, and they lose yesterday uh, two to nothing. Um, Jordan Montgomery, the Cardinals have won that trade with the Yankees for Harrison Bader. Um, yeah, yeah, no Montgomery, questions. Montgomery's numbers since the trade: five and zero in six starts, a one four seven ERA. 
36 and two thirds, 28 hits, six runs, six walks, and 32 strikeouts. The, his whip for the since the trade is 0. 0.93. Um, damn. In game two was was uh Wayno and and Yachty. That's their 323rd start together. Um, those two guys, that battery. Um, Yachty had a three run double. Um, Wayno has now 12 seasons with double digit wins after after Saturday's game. Um, Yachty had Wayno pulled after 82 pitches because he just didn't have strong command, even though he was winning the game. <laughs> Uh, and Yachty's career numbers. So this, this weekend, you know, it's, it's the last time they're playing the Cardinals. So Wayno, Yachty and, and Pujols are, are done playing the Cubs. Thank God. <laughs> um, so just to highlight what Yachty did for against the Cubs in his career, he hit 285 average wise, 48 doubles, 18 home runs, 118 RBIs and 13 stolen bases in 247 games against the Cubs. Damn. So um, yeah, you're not going to miss that. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, and game, how how many runners did he throw out in that span? A crap load. A lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More in the early early years than in the late years, but um, yeah, for sure. Um, and then we'll get into pool holes here in a second. Um, Stroman pitches seven innings in Sunday's game, um, 98 pitches. They pull him out for the eighth. And in the eighth inning, they have a guy on second. There's one out. First base is open. And Pujols is pinch hitting. Now, I realize, Mr. Ross, I realize that the likelihood of you getting out of Bush Stadium alive if you walk the guy is not very high. I realize that. <laughs> but this is the Cardinals, for Christ's sake. You know, I, I don't want to give up a game here against these guys. So what the, the esteemed ruler of, of Cubs dugouts here pitches to Pools, and Pools jacks this ball. Past the bullpen, the Cub bullpen at Bush Stadium. And you know that stadium. You know that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's out there. <laughs> it's out there. Um, 429 feet was the stat cast number on that one. Um, he has now hit a homer off of 451 pitchers. Um, in 199 games again with the Cubs, against the Cubs, 59 homers. <laughs> 99 extra base hits and 149 RBIs. Now, Holy shit. getting into the pool holes discussion, he now has 695 um, homers. He's one off of tying Erod, and he's five off of 700. Um, do I hope he gets past Erod? You're dang right, I do. Do I think he's going to get to 700? Probably. Um, I mean, if, if most of their games are at home to, st- to end the year, he's getting there because that atmosphere has been nuts the last few weeks. Um, and, and he pinch hit on Friday and Sunday. And you heard guys talking about the dugout atmosphere and how it was like, wait, what happened? Oh, Albert just stepped into the on-deck circle. <laughs> Nothing happened. 
but Albert stepped on the on-deck circle and the crowd went crazy. So, um, you know, so to, to talk about Pujols here, um, he has hit a homer off of 33 different Cubs pitchers now. Um, the only team he has met, hit more home runs against is the Astros at 62. Part of the Astros is obviously the NL Central days, but also when he was in the AL West, um, you know, getting getting some of those um, appearances against the Astros now that they're in the AL West. Um, but yeah, 59 is 62. Those are, you're, you're talking about what, 20% of your home runs have come against two teams? <laughs> Something like that. Um, just to give you an idea of the pitchers that he's done this against for the Cubs, they range from Kyle Farnsworth, obviously to now Brandon Hughes, but a few names on this list for you, Andrew, Carlos Zambrano, Carrie Wood, um, Samarja, Dempster, Maddox, <laughs> guys done it for that long against this team. So um albert i hope you get to, to 697 for sure if you get to 700 i'll be you know that hat tip to you man but i'm sure as hell glad that i will not see you again hopefully <laughs> well said well said um looking at the schedule coming up for the cardinals uh they're in a four game series to the nationals at home they actually lost game one today six nothing and then they're on the road for three in Pittsburgh this weekend. So, you know, he's going to try and put one in the Allegheny River. Two game minis. Here's the Brewers at home next week. And then uh, five with the Reds at home, including a doubleheader next Saturday on the 17th. And then a day off. And they have a nasty road trip coming up. Three at the Padres, three at the Dodgers, th- two at the Brewers. And then they come home and end at home with the Pirates for three and then go back on the road for three at the Pirates. Who the hell made this? Are you kidding me? Three versus the Pirates, three at the Pirates. What What the hell is this bullshit? But anyway, lots of chances for him to play at home. Um, I, I really want to see him put a couple more in the Allegheny, though. I, I would love to see him just jack a couple out there you know matt olson's home run ball got lonely being the last one hit out hit out into the river so it needs some company albert you need to help out there <laughs> yeah yeah this is gonna be exciting for him and i hope he gets there um yeah me too you know um there hasn't been a single hint of anything you know controversial about his ability over the years so no. to see someone kind of knock a rod down a peg or two would be great um that, that would be fantastic and much supported by this group for sure. Uh, 100%. Plus, you know, Al- Albert's a guy we have watched his entire career and with good knowledge of the game of baseball and to see that he is without a doubt one of the most dangerous right-handed hitters of all time to play the game. I don't think that can be, I, I don't think that can be argued by anybody um, you know, just looking at looking at his career number here, you know, from 2001 till now. The dude, first of all, the dude's contributed almost 101 WAR, which is nuts. He has hit 3,300 singles, 695 home runs with a 296 average, scored 1,901 runs, uh, 2,193 RBIs. 
374 OBP, 543 slugging for his career. I mean, that's just simply incredible. And if you look at um, if you look at uh, his chart here on Baseball Reference, you'll see all the years where he led multiple offensive categories. Now, I will say this: there is one blemish that we can put on Albert Pujols' career. Only one. He is grounded into more double plays than any other batter in history with a 423. So there is that. But outside of that, that is literally the only blemish you can find in this man's career. He is one of the greatest hitters to ever play the game. And it's awesome that we got to that we've gotten to watch his entire career and be able to fully understand and appreciate it as well. Yeah, definitely. It's really been fun and, and to see a lot of it firsthand as a Cub fan. Um you know, Even if it was painful at times. Oh, it, painful at times to be sure. But you knew what you were watching someone who was just, as you said, one of the best hitters and and a, a good person on top of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and we we, you know, sometimes we've got some of these you know athletes who are not exactly the best people off of the ice field diamond, whichever uh, field of play it is, and and he's one of those that that is is a great person, a great human off of the field. Yeah, um, he, he is a class act uh, unto himself. Um, if I remember right, he's always been a big um, charity guy for his, um, wherever he's lived at the time, and uh, just just absolutely phenomenal. One of my, honestly, one of my favorite guys I've gotten to watch. Yeah, he won the Clementi Award back in 2008, so um, that just, Absolutely awesome. You know, and the Clemente Award, for those who don't know, it's for those who best exemplify the game of baseball, sportsmanship, community involvement, and the individual's contribution to his team. And that's voted on by fellow players, too. That's not uh, that's not a media vote or anything like that. That's from your teammates. So that's absolutely awesome and well-deserved as well. All right. So let's... Uh, Let's move on to a team that actually managed to win some freaking games this week, shall we? <laughs> so, you know, Atlanta, again, it was a little bit of a mixed bag last week. They swept the Pirates in Pittsburgh for the first time in forever and then dropped two or three to the Cardinals. But again, Atlanta, Atlanta playing in St. Louis, I'm not too shocked because they don't play well in St. Louis. They never have. Um. Then they came home. They had the Rockies. They dropped the first game. Max Fried had an uncharacteristically bad night. It was a three to two loss, and then they did haven't lost since, winning uh, five straight. Uh, game two, the Rockies was a three to two win. Uh, Kyle Wright picked up his seventeenth win of the season. Jansen picked up his thirtieth save. And then a three nothing win. Spencer Strider picked up his ninth win of the season, and Jansen picked up his thirty first save. And then the Marlins came to town, and Game One was an eight-to-one beatdown. Charlie Morton, who is coming into his uh, coming into late-season form at absolutely the right time, picks up his seventh one of the season, and the Braves beat Sandy Alcantara. And uh, that has just not happened a whole hell of a lot of times in the career, career of the great Sandy Alcantara. So. Uh, Definitely quite happy to have that was the one I thought we might lose because it's Alcantara and he's just been on a tear this year. And then it was a two to one win uh, on Saturday night. That was a late one with the bullpen picking that one up. Uh, that was actually a walk. That was a walk off win, if I remember right. 
Yeah, that was the walk-off walk. And then Sunday was a 7-1 easy, uh, pretty easy victory for Max Freed to pick up his 13th win of the year. Um, and he allowed no hits in his first five innings. Um, and Ozuna homered for the first time in like a month because Ozuna has been absolute garbage for much of this season, unfortunately. Um, uh, Max Freed's uh, good game did get stopped because of a rain delay. So, you know, not... You know, a good call by the Braves to not push that. I, I I hate it when managers try and run the guy back out there when he's been sitting for so long because usually that ends very poorly. So the Braves have taken five in a row, like I said, 20 of tw- their past 25. They're, they're uh, 33 games over 500, which is a season high, and one game of first place the East with the Mets. Since June 1st, because we keep coming back to June 1st, Atlanta's 61-24, and 24, which is the best in the majors by a Pretty significant margin. Um, Freed didn't allow a base runner. He took down 12 in a row until he walked uh, Fortes in the fifth. And then there was a double play that wiped that out. You know, it was just the Braves have been hot. And I'm absolutely loving it. Matt Olson's been in a little bit of a slump. He's starting to break out of that. Uh, Austin Riley has been hot continuously throughout all of this. Um. You want to hear something crazy, Joe. The Braves have 90 home runs hit by players that are 25 and younger. Riley has 35. Contreras has 17. Harris has 15. Acuna has 11. Albies has 8. And Grissom has 4. The most homers a Braves team has gotten in a season from from players 25 and younger is 107. And that was uh, accomplished in 1957 and 2019. Uh, Let's see, 17 off with that many players. Atlanta's such a young team, I wouldn't be shocked if they break that, honestly. And that would be uh, really cool. And then Michael Harris, who is well within running for Rookie of the Year with Spencer Strider. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it a co-Rookie of the Year because they've both been so good. Michael Harris, Joe, finally got thrown out stealing a base. Before he got thrown out, he was 16 for 16. So uh, you, you know, you knew that streak had to come to come to the end eventually, and uh, finally did against the Marlins. And it it was an absolutely perfect throw, and that was the only way they were going to catch him. So I, it was phenomenal. And you know, the Alcantara game that one really surprised me because he wasn't sharp, and he's he was uncharacteristically wild. Although he only allowed one walk, but he just gave up too many hits and his defense couldn't bail him out. This is probably one of the worst lines you'll see for him all year. Five innings, one hit, six earned runs, a walk, three strikeouts, three home runs allowed. I mean, he couldn't keep the, he couldn't keep the ball in the park. And Morton matched him five and two thirds, four hits, you know, an earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts. So it, you know, it, you got to win the games. You need to win. Uh, and Atlanta absolutely did that this past weekend to, Beat Alcantara, I'm just overjoyed about. The only thing I didn't like is that one was on uh, Apple TV Plus. So my uh, free paid for by T-Mobile MLB <laughs> MLB subscription did not help me. But thankfully, my wife has an iPhone and too much Apple crap. So uh, we actually had Apple Plus and I was able to watch the game. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think major leagues have got to get this straightened out where it's one platform for all this stuff. This is insane. Yeah. And, you know, didn't they mention last offseason they were talking about getting rid of these blackout games? Well, that didn't happen. 
I wish they would. It would make it a lot easier for everybody to watch the game. And yeah, like I should, I shouldn't have to go through the effort of either pulling up a Dofu Sports stream and throwing it up on my TV, or changing my VPN and masking where I where I am in the country, so I can ignore the blackout restriction. I shouldn't have to do that to watch baseball if I have a subscription. And I understand T-Mobile is paying for it, even though really I'm paying for it because I pay T-Mobile a lot more money than they pay for my MLB subscription. So, uh, yeah, MLB, please actually, the next time you say something like, we're going to we're gonna take care of that blackout thing, can, can you actually freaking take care of it for, instead of just, you know, dangling the carrot in front of our faces and yanking it away at the last minute? And we, we'd really appreciate it. All right, so, Joe, let's, uh, let's kick it off and move it on to our hot players. Um, Joe, I'm actually going to have you do the Moneyball player first because your Moneyball player is actually my number one overall hitter from the last week. So I'll let you t- I'll let you do the Moneyball player first. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the Moneyball player for the week had had a monster week. Uh, Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. Uh, Andrew, his slash line, 542, 593, 875, an OPS of 1468. Jesus. That alone is is amazing. Those numbers are amazing. Um, but, but the, the rest of the numbers here for us, um, eight runs, 13 hits, five doubles, a Homer, nine RBIs, three walks, one strikeout and one stolen base. Talk about efficient. Holy wow. Yeah. I can't, I can't argue with that. That's freaking incredible. Absolutely incredible. The other thing I want to point out on the walk side, just real quick, Mm-hmm. Um, Soto had an awful week, um, but he had seven walks too. So those seven walks made his awful week look a little less awful. <laughs> seven, you know, if there's one thing, no matter how bad of a season Juan Soto is having, which he's not, it's not the worst season in the world, but compared to what he's done for every other year of his career, this is a bad year. He still can walk. He has a he, he has a Joey Votto esque eye for the strike zone, right? no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. So my hot hitters of the week, um, in addition to Xander Bogart, who like I said was I, I don't think anybody would have not had him at number one with a week like that. So, all right. Lo- looking at the rest of the week, I've got uh, Jose Altuve four seventy six five forty two nine fifty two. He had seven runs, two homers, six RBIs, two stolen bags. 10 hits, four doubles, three walks, three strikeouts. Uh, Jock Peterson of the Giants, 471, 550, even one for the slugging. Six runs, three homers, one of which I saw off the Phillies ended up in McCovey Cove. 13 RBIs, eight hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. All rise for Aaron Judge at 455, 61.1. Uh, six runs, four homers, six RBIs, a stolen base. I didn't know he stole a base. Good for him. Nine hits, a double. Five walks, seven strikeouts. And uh, I'm also going to toss out Michael Harris on there as well. 455, 478, 818. He had four runs, two home runs, five RBIs. He stole one base, got caught once for the first time all year, like I said. Ten hits, two doubles, a walk, and three strikeouts. Uh, You know, for a guy that young to have that kind of plate discipline is pretty damn impressive. And uh, I'm not going to put him up there because uh, I, 
I'm just going to mention Austin Riley had four home runs this past week too. <laughs> I'm not putting him on the list because there that that's crazy that I've got a four home run guy I can't put on the list because so many other guys had incredible weeks. I mean that's just nuts. All right, so let's flip it over to the pitchers. I'm going to start in Arizona with Zach Galen. Uh, sorry, Jason. 2-0, 14 strikeouts and in 14 innings, an ERA of zero, a whip of .43, four hits, two walks. Yeah, that ain't bad. Spencer Strider, he won 1-0, eight innings, 16 strikeouts. Uh, my God, Spencer. <laughs> I love this guy. I, and I, I hope his uh, Tommy John repaired arm stays Tommy John repaired for the rest of his career because he's so much fun to watch. ERA of zero, whip of 0.25, two hits. Um, I have Dylan Cease, because how can you not have the guy who came one out from a freaking no-no, nine innings, seven strikeouts, one win, uh, one hit, two walks. Absolutely insane. And then I'm also going to throw on here, uh, let's throw with Frankie Montes, because the Yankees pitchers need a little loving because the offense isn't giving it to them. Uh, this week, Frankie made two starts, went one and one, 11 innings, 13 strikeouts, a 327 ERA, 0.82 whip, four earned runs, nine hits, uh, no walks, but three home runs allowed. Um, Joe, any other uh, starters for your list? Uh, I'm going to put on uh, here uh, George Kirby from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, eight, went eight innings in his start, five hits, a run, one walk, seven strikeouts, a 7.5 whip. Uh, 0.75 whip, 172 BAA. Um, and I'm going to put on uh, Strowman. The week he had didn't get any any decisions in either of his two starts, but Marcus Strowman uh, for the Cubs, 12 innings, seven hits, one run, one hit batter, two walks, six strikeouts, uh, whip of 0.75, and, and, you know, really had a good week uh, for himself. The Cubs obviously did not. Um, but, um, you know, really solidifying that the Cubs made the right move in picking him up last year. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, Joe, who is your adulting reliever of the week? Yeah, the adulting reliever, um, this was kind of by far and away, uh, Jordan Romano from the Tampa, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Tampa Bay Blue three. Jays. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, closer Jordan Romano, three for three in save opportunities, three and a third, two hits, one hit batter, five strikeouts, uh, 0.6 whip, and a 167 batting average against. So he is your adulting reliever of the week. He was lights out and is the biggest reason that the, the Blue Jays are where they are. And Joe, um, there's one other guy I, I actually want to mention on there. Um, you know, we were talking about trades that have just gone really well. Um, and I would like to bring up Rossiel Iglesias, whom the uh, Braves traded away. Uh, Tucker Davidson and Jesse Chavez, who is back, reclaimed off waivers yet again and back to pitching well because he sucked with the Cubs. He sucked with the Angels, but he's been lights out for the Braves this year. Um, since Iglesias came to Atlanta, he has put up a .71 ERA over 12 and two-thirds innings. He did pick up one save, uh, given Jansen the night off. He's only given up seven hits and one earned run with three walks and 12 strikeouts. But over this past week, I, the, the dude, he only had two appearances. But two innings, 
one hit, three strikeouts, and he picked up a hold along the way. He's been efficient. He's been pounding the strike zone, and he has looked so good since he came over. Um, I, I know he's a guy that's probably not going to get caught in your radar because you're looking primarily at saves, but he's been absolutely phenomenal ever since coming over. And uh, thank God, too, because, as I said, you can't have enough pitching, especially this time of year. Absolutely not, man. It's – it's uh. Yeah, and I need to to look a little closer at some of these other guys who don't close games but are having phenomenal years in the, and weeks in the bullpen, yeah. um, eating up innings and things like that. So I need to do a little bit better digging on that. But, yeah, I can't, can't argue with that. So you can save that for next season. You know, you can do a you know, feature a closer, feature uh, maybe a long reliever, a middle reliever guy, instead, you know, as, along with the closer. All right, so looking at the hot teams for the week, I've got a couple odd ones in here that we haven't seen. Uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, because they somehow remembered how to win games again. The Astros, the Mariners on their seven-game winning streak. The Braves, the Nationals. I know, but they took two out of three from the A's and at the Mets last week. I mean, the A's, whatever. They're almost as bad as the Nationals, but two out of three in New York, damn good. I also have the Cardinals, and sorry, Jason, but the Diamondbacks made the list as well because they were on fire last week. Um, Joe, do you have anybody else to add to your hot teams? Did you mention the White Sox? I actually didn't. Um, I, I I went back the and only, forth. But... I I, the only thing I would say is 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 um, just to update for maybe anybody wasn't paying attention. La Russa has been out indefinitely since I think Wednesday. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they lost Wednesday or since Tuesday. They lost Tuesday and they won four games in a row Wednesday through Saturday. Um, you know, um, lost yesterday, but you know, to, to get themselves back around 500 and, and within striking distance of the AL Central, if they can get their act together and put it together for more than four games, um, you know, to, to, to get themselves, you know, somewhat energized again and get their fan base energized again. Um, you know, that that's a good week for them. Um, the, the Cardinals you mentioned, just a, one thing of note, they are 18-2 in their last 20 home games. Wow. So the fact that they're still playing a bunch of games left at home based on your, your schedule announcement earlier, I, that bodes well for them to, to – walk away with the NL Central and it, it bodes well for Pujols as well. So yeah, looking at the NL teams, um, there are four teams that have more than 40 wins at home this year. The Mets have 46, Atlanta's got 47, the Cardinals have 45, and the Dodgers have 47. Um that's absolutely phenomenal work by the Cardinals at home. And uh, you know, Taken only one out of three, I you know that actually to me looks even better that they were even able to take one from the Cardinals when they're playing that well at home right now. Yeah, um, so I mean, yeah, the Cardinals are are super hot. The, the White Sox, if they can continue to put it together, you know. Uh, but everybody else you mentioned, I mean, Arizona's eight and two in their last ten. They swept the the uh, White Sox the week before, so yeah. Two out of three from the Phillies, too. Yeah. Yeah, they've been on fire. Didn't think I'd say that about the Diamondbacks this year. 
All right. So looking at the week ahead, um, Atlanta is, as I said, on the West Coast trip, many series in Oakland. That'll be Kyle Wright versus Irvin, Spencer Strider versus Waldachuk. Yeah. Okay. And then three at Seattle, Morton versus Ray, TBD versus Kirby, and then Freed versus Gonzalez. So that will be, uh, that'll be a fun series to watch that TBD game. Uh, is uh, Jake Odorizzi's day-to-day right now. So we'll see if he's ready to go for that one or if they call Bryce Elder back up to pitch that one or if Ian Anderson comes back for that one. And then for the Cubbies this week, uh, they're home all week and they're playing bad teams, so maybe they can get something together. Miley versus uh, – first three with the Reds. Miley versus Dunn, Assad versus Minor, Samson versus Sessa, and then three versus the Giants, Smiley versus Rodon, Stroman versus Webb, and then the Sunday night – Oh, God, that's an ESPN 8 o'clock game. I'm sorry, man. That's a TBD versus TBD. Neither team's figured out who they're going to put on Nash on the national stage for that one. And then for the Phillies this week, as I said, they're three with the Marlins, three with the Nationals, all at home. Nola versus Lazardo, Falter versus Rogers, Gibson versus Alcantara, and then Cindergard versus Corbin, Suarez versus Fetty, and Nola versus Sanchez. So, you know, again, I have Aaron Nola as the guy to watch for the Phillies, and we'll see him go twice this week. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, Joe, not a bad schedule for you guys. You should be able to pick up some in there, I would hope. <laughs> Certainly hope so. Um, I, you know, I think, um, again, it's it's just kind of see what you can get and see what you do. And, you know, I, the, the fact that they've sat Keegan this long, I think, to me, looks like they're probably going to just shut him down. Um, yeah, I mean sense. he he was a reliever up until this year, and he was lights out for so long this year, and then it was just like, okay, this is no longer a good start, bad start. This is bad start after another bad start. Um, yeah, just I, I think that the number of innings got to him, and I think if they, you know, start the season in a particularly defined role, I think you know, that can certainly help um, him start the year on the right foot. Um, yeah, you know, I'm really excited for the rotation that the Cubs could have next year. Um, you know, Stroman, Smiley, if they take the option and bring him back, because he's been, you know, use, he's been serviceable this year. He's been really good um, in spots for the Cubs, um, despite your feelings about him and our feelings about him in general. Um, he, he's been he's been very good for them this year, um, you know. So to have Stroman, Steele, probably Keegan Thompson, um, you know Hendricks if he's healthy again, um, we're not sure exactly what we're going to get with him. Um, but to have you know Smiley or you know somebody else to fill that 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 spot if they go out and get a real strong arm in, in the offseason, I'm excited about what the Cubs can do. Yeah, you know, he, let me just set the record straight with Smiley. I don't hate the guy. And I really I appreciate what he did in that Dodgers series because without that start, that series is very different or uh was it uh, it might have been a long relief because the starter got shelled whatever. Yeah. Um he he took that Dodgers lineup and neutered them for 3 to 4 innings and one of the biggest spots of the year. I, I don't hate Drew Smiley. I, I hate his inconsistency. He's not consistent enough. And as you know, for the Braves to be the team that they, that they want to frankly should be 
they need to have consistent starters. A guy like that just doesn't fit in their rotation. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that for them is at best a long reliever out of the bullpen. So, uh, and you know, I, I took a lot of flack from the, I, I, I actually took a lot of flack from this during the world series on Twitter. When I after he got shelled in that one game where the Astros just said, no, we don't care that you open up with a grand slam. We're going to beat the ever loving hell out of you instead. Um, and I said, thank God that'll be the last innings we see out of Drew Smiley at Braves uniform. I, you know, I, I took a lot of shit for that. And, you know, I understand people were upset about it, but I stand by what I said. And I'm not going to back down from that. I'm glad I'm not seeing Drew Smiley in a Braves uniform again because he's not the kind of arm we need. We need, you know, we need more dependable arms. We need guys that are less streaky. Um, but you know, a t- you know, a team like you guys, where you need more veteran leadership in the starting rotation, and you need guys that'll just you know eat some innings. And if they have a bad, you know, if they have bad starts here and there, they have bad starts here and there. It's you know not the end of the world because you know, you guys are out of playoff contention. Although you're not eliminated, believe it or not, but you're out of playoff contention. Yeah, actually, wow. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's been eliminated yet. The. Uh, the Nationals and the A's will be eliminated with three more losses, but they're not eliminated yet. They're, everybody is still in it five days into September. That's shocking. <laughs> that, that, that's that's just unbelievable that, that nobody's been mathematically eliminated, even though it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, that they're eliminated. Yeah. All right, Joe. So, I mean, I'm going to be obviously focusing very hard on Atlanta and keeping a wary eye on the Mets in the background. Uh, what are you keeping an eye on this week? Um, the Blue Jays Orioles to start the week. They had two games today. The Blue Jays won both of those. Um, so not good for the O's, but um, that's something I'm watching. Uh, the White Sox have Seattle this week to begin the week. Uh, they won tonight three to two behind a great start from Lance Lynn. So they're on the right track. Hopefully they can keep that together. Um, that That's one series I'm looking at the beginning of the week. Um, you have the, the twins and the guardians here at the, at the tail end of the week. Um, and that's important twins Yankees here to start the week for, uh, you know, the Yankees in New York. So, um, that, that's kind of the, the series I'll be keeping an eye on the Mets, obviously, um, seeing what they do, but, um, that's where most of my energy is going to be at, I think. Well, let's face it, most of the uh, AL Central has just been playing very, very, very bad baseball lately. Cleveland's 2-8 and eight over their last 10 on a five-game skid. Minnesota's doing okay at 6-4. and four. The White Sox are at 4-6. and six. Um, But, yeah, the AL Central has been uh, kind of playing like garbage lately. So, <laughs> hey, let's see yeah, which of these teams wants to win the damn thing. <laughs> Just, just to put your our, our Yankee discussion into perspective here for you, um, the runs per game ranks before – this is before and after August. So before August, runs per game they were first, home runs they were first, on base they were second, and slugging they were first. Mm-hmm. And after August, they are 25th in runs per game, f- tied for 15th in home runs, 25th in on base, and 26th in slugging. And imagine how much worse that would be without Aaron Judge. Yeah, absolutely insane. Just just to crystallize just how bad that is in the Bronx. Holy cow! Damn, that's that that's uh, 
you know, a favorite adjective that I think it's underused by everybody except me who probably overuses it to compensate for that. That's putrid. Yes. Absolutely. Putrid. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I kind of understand the central who cares because uh, let's face it, you're going to be playing in that wild card round anyway because the Yankees are second in the league at 81 wins and Cleveland has 68 wins. They're not catching that, especially not not on a uh, – during a five-game skid. So, anyway. All right, guys. So, uh, Jason did not make it back from Labor Day festivities uh, in time to do the uh, NLA Elise draft tonight. Um, and he will be off next week as well. So, we will be doing our all-time draft for AL and NLEs teams in two weeks. So, uh, mark that on the calendar for the last, uh, the last of our all-time drafts with uh, special rules to keep things interesting. Uh, that'll happen then. I, I'm excited for that one because, you know, the, these are the two divisions I know the best. So <laughs> it'll be, uh, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, a lot of fun picking those teams out, those players out. All right, guys. So uh, you can find our audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can find our merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB dash podcast. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Teller Dogs and Beer. On our Twitter page at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314, Jason's at JRicker300, and Joe is at JoltonJoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC, and we are sponsored by the wonderful Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. Uh, Johnny, I'll see you either sometime this week or next week as the hair is getting kind of, kind of wild, man. Um, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everybody.